the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a mask-free, except for schools in San Diego, Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former economic definition writer for Wikipedia. You know, they are they keep changing the definition on Wikipedia. You know what that is? Wikipedia is, uh, you probably have used that. It's an online encyclopedia. And uh, a lot of it's pretty good stuff on there, except it can be edited by people like you and me. And uh, so a lot of it can be wrong on there. And the definition of recession has been changed so many times that Wikipedia has now locked everybody out. And uh, it is... Um, a very interesting thing because that is what we are arguing about in Washington instead of really talking about how it affects people. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit here. Give us some insight into what is going on. I'd love to know, how do you feel? Do you feel like it's a recession? What does it mean to you? Do you feel like that we are in a recession that, uh, you know, with the world we're living in, we are debating terms, but I think in, in some ways, it really depends on how you feel about it. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. That's 888-LA-TALKS. You can also send me an email if you can't get to your phone. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Join the conversation. Tell me what you think. Do you feel like you are living in, working in, or not working in, a recession? Um, you know, the the way it feels, it's a, it's an interesting thing to put it that way because sometimes people say in politics and even in different parts of life, perception is reality. I don't think it's not really reality. We probably should say political perception is reality because if everybody thinks it's a recession, even if later on they say, uh, no, it's not a recession, well, that is a recession as far as how you're going to vote, which, by the way, Election day is November 8th, but ballots go out in California October 10th. That's 12 weeks away. So the election is only 12 weeks away. Isn't that good news? Or do you now feel like you're in a recession? You weren't in a recession before, but now that you're going, oh, 12 weeks, signs and mailers and commercials and money and just a lot of stuff. Anyway, um, you know, we're living in an era where we we feel like we can change the terms just to fit our agenda anyway. So it's a it's a weird, a really weird time. It's always been the definition of recession. Now I'm going to tell you who decides really if it's a recession or not in a minute, like his, for historical purposes, and that actually gets decided much later. But you know, whenever we're living through a recession, it's always been seen as two quarters of negative growth. Then you have a recession. That's how it means. At the end of uh, Bill Clinton's administration, uh, we were headed for recession. And so something that presidents do, and this is something I want to talk about because it's not to make an excuse for President Biden, but it's something I think that just from a historical point of view, we should know that presidents hate to use the R word. They don't want to say recession because as soon as they say recession, well, then it's totally a recession and it's their fault, whether it's their fault or not. So presidents always want to push off that word as long as they can. And they also know that the way you feel 
impacts the way you spend money, which then impacts the economy. And if the president comes out and says, hey, it's a recession, you might not go out to dinner tonight as you thought. You might say, well, the president says it's a recession, so I'm going to stay back. And then we create a recession because we stop the economy. Uh, That's always what it's been. Bill Clinton was trying to put it off at the end of his uh, term. And in this clip, he's actually sitting next to President-elect George W. Bush, and, of course, George W. Bush, you, you tend to, when you're running for president, you like to say recession. Uh, if it's a recession, it's going to help Republicans in the election. It's the way it goes. If it's not a recession, it's going to uh, help the Democrats. And there's just a lot of politics. This is Bill Clinton describing, determining recession. So, hold, hold on. Let's try that again. Here we go. Well, a recession is two quarters in a row of negative growth. I don't think we're going to have that. Uh, We actually did have that, but I didn't think so at the time, and it really didn't matter because it was a short recession. Um, He says two quarters of negative growth. You know why he says that? Because it's always been defined as two quarters of negative growth, and it is a bizarre, a bizarre thing that we're trying to undo that. Now, I think there's some weirdness to the economy now because of all the COVID stuff, right? The, The shutdown and what that meant for the economy and how that has shifted people's jobs around, changed things. It is a weird time, and it's really weird that we have super high inflation, we have very low unemployment, and at the same time, while we have very low unemployment and very high inflation, we have all these people looking for uh, employees to come work for them. There are still empty, it looks like a recession out there. If you go to a shopping mall, there's a mall near my house, and you go there and it's half closed down. All of it, every place was filled before the recession before the uh, coronavirus shutdown, now it's empty. And when I hear that uh, there's not enough workers out there, what happened to everybody? Where'd they go? Did they leave the state? I know a lot of people are leaving California, but I don't think it's that many people. Why is it that the coffee shops that I, I like to go to have weird hours? And the reason they have weird hours is because they can't get people to work. They, you know, For a while, it was because they were getting uh, government money and paid more to stay home. And that was happening during the shutdown. But that's gone now. Where'd everybody go? It's, this is a weird time. So in, in that sense, I can understand why the administration is going to leverage the low unemployment to try to push off saying the, the R word. Today, President Biden, uh, in announcing some legislation that is being coined as the uh, 2022 Inflation Reduction Act, uh, what it really is is a pared-down version of Build Back Better, a uh, environmental act is most of it. But there's some very interesting things in there. Uh, some of which we uh, you might find very helpful and interesting, some of which uh, I'm not too sure they really are what they are. But the president went through uh, a whole speech today about why we're not in a recession and uh, with a whole lot of comments about jobs and all of that. And then he said this at the end, and then he walked off without answering any questions. That doesn't sound like a recession to me. Thank you very much. Now, he's doing that because it's an election year. It's 12 weeks away. He doesn't want to say it. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But the interesting thing is, from this presidential historian, it's probably a mistake. And the reason it's a mistake is, number one, nobody believes him. Even his own party, they're all saying it. The the people on the left – now, there's other politics going on, okay? This is – and I'm telling you this because I, I think that we need to watch the news and kind of watch what's going on with a critical eye and with some understanding that uh, there's there's inside baseball, right? There's, you know, ask, ask Democrats today if they think Biden should run for re-election. 
and they're refusing to answer the question for the most part. Or the polls are saying now 20, only 25% think he should run for re-election. I don't think Biden is running for re-election. I don't think he's ever planned on running for re-election, truthfully, uh, because of his age primarily. Um, but he can't say that he's not running because then he announces that he's a lame duck president. Uh, and you can't you don't get a lot done when you're a lame duck president. So there's there's all kinds of different things going on in the the tension of the words we use and what gets said by whom and when and all of that kind of stuff. But here's why it's a mistake. It's a mistake because people are hurting for real. I don't know if you feel like it's a recession, if that's what you'd say. Maybe this is a really good time for you economically. And that's the way it always is, right? Not everybody's hurting all the time in every single downturn. You know, there are people who made money in the Great uh, Depression. Uh, Most people didn't, but some people did. Uh, There are people who made lots of money if you you created uh, plexiglass and masks manufacturing during the, uh, the coronavirus, right? You made a lot of money off of that. And uh, there's probably some mask lobby out there who is really pushing our counties to uh, bring back the mask thing just for sales. And uh, they have failed at that. Um, We need leaders. It's a big thing of leaders to actually understand that it's how we feel. This is President Obama's uh, former advisor, economic advisor, Jason Furman. Yeah, I, you know, I think what matters is how people actually feel, not whether people are calling it a recession or not calling it um, a recession. See, historically, we'll look back and we'll say, okay, there's a recession and it's sort of data and it doesn't feel anything. But when you're in the middle of it, it feels something. This is Matt Egan on CNN. What we do know is that Americans hate this economy, right? The CNN poll out recently found that 64% of Americans believe the U.S. economy is currently in a recession. Now, that may not be the case, but that's what people feel. And that Don't tell is, me how to feel. Exactly. Right. But that is because of the high cost of living. People uh, haven't experienced like this, anything like this, uh, many of us, in our lifetimes. And they're feeling at the gas station, the grocery store, at the mall. And until that improves, people are still going to dislike this economy. I think people don't like the economy. I think people feel like it's a recession. Now, it's an interesting thing because maybe one day we'll look at it and go, it's not, or maybe it wasn't that bad. Or from a a data standpoint, in a few years, things look a little differently. But uh, I think we feel it. I feel it. Do you feel it? I feel it. Every time I go buy something, anything, I'm stunned at this. Now, the gas prices are down a little bit. They're not down compared to where they were a year ago. You know, it's still way too expensive. I'm spending, every time I fill up my car, I'm spending $25, I would say, more than I was a year ago. But that number was about $40 a couple weeks ago. So some gas prices are down, and I notice it. I notice it and go, oh, hooray, I spent less than $100 to fill up my tank. (laughs) Because a couple weeks ago, you know, maybe for the last couple of months, Sometimes you go to a gas station to fill up your tank and the pump shuts off at $80 or $100 because nobody ever buys that much gas unless they're stealing a credit card from somebody. You know, that's why they do that sometimes is because somebody might steal your credit card and then bring in a bunch of friends to the gas station and use the same card on gas and they just they just block it. Uh, you can go inside and show your ID and do some things to get your money. Uh, I noticed a lot of gas stations lifted that, though. One place I was getting my gas, um, eventually, it wouldn't let me do more than $100, but they changed that, and uh, they upped that. I don't know to what amount, because it wasn't that much more than 100 bucks. Anyway, that's changed, and I feel it. But every time I go to the supermarket right now, and do you feel this way? I look at my receipt and go, what in the world did I buy? It is so much more expensive 
than I expected it to be. I don't even want to look at the price of meat. It's just unbelievable. And so people feel this. And just from a standpoint of leadership, and it matters whether you're the president or you're the pastor of some church or you are the manager wherever you work or you are the head of your household or you are maybe, you know, leadership isn't necessarily a uh, a position. Leadership is you're the one that people look for for the answers. You got to remember that the feeling of a person matters. It matters in the moment. It doesn't determine what the facts are. Who is it? It's uh, Ben Shapiro, one of those guys they like to say, facts don't care about your feelings. It's definitely true, and it's a good point. However, when you're working with people, and you're working with people in the moment, their feelings might not be factually based. They might be completely wrong, but you got to work with people in the moment. And right now, people are are feeling it. Whenever... um, George H.W. Bush, and I do a lot of this with presidents, but uh, George H.W. Bush in 92 uh, was soundly defeated by Bill Clinton. And the de facto Bill Clinton campaign slogan was, it's the economy, stupid. Now, he didn't come up with that. Somebody who was a Bush supporter shouted that at President Bush during a speech. President Bush was in a speech, and he said something like, You know, we still haven't determined what the issue is going to be with this campaign. And there's this quiet hush over the audience because everybody in the audience knew what the issue was. And somebody hollered out, it's the economy, stupid. And, uh, you know, eventually George Bush picked up on that, but it was too late. And one of the things that's interesting, though, getting to the the actual definition of recession, there had been two quarters of, of slowdown, of economic decline, in 1991. The interesting thing is by 1992, when you go back and you look at it in history, the recession was over. The economy was growing, but people didn't feel it yet. People didn't start to feel it until a couple weeks after the election, actually. Numbers started to get much better. And George H.W. Bush didn't want to say the recession word. He didn't want to put that out there. But it hurt him because he wasn't feeling the pain of the people that he was there to lead. And you know, one of Bill Clinton's most famous statements is that in a debate, he said, I feel your pain. Somebody got up to ask him a question. He goes, you know what? I I feel your pain. And people made fun of him for that. But the problem is it was exactly right for him to say that from a leadership standpoint. People make, I make fun of him for that. And it's, uh, you know, I used to I used to make money. You may not believe it from this radio show because I haven't practiced it, but people used to actually pay me and invite me to come do presidential impersonations. And uh, that was a long time ago. Well, you could make a lot of people laugh with Bill Clinton just by biting your lip. You don't even have to say anything. And they're already thinking of a dirty joke and you haven't said anything. Nothing's come out of your mouth. In fact, that was my Bill Clinton joke. It was... You people are already laughing, and I haven't even said anything yet. You're thinking something dirty? I'm not going to say that. And, you know, people would laugh about that. Ha, ha, ha. But the thing is that he was able to do is relate to people, and that is why he got elected ultimately. And that's something that if I were to advise the uh, the White House today, you know, uh, Joe Biden's not Bill Clinton. He probably doesn't have that skill. Most people don't have uh, sort of what Clinton had going on. And in some ways, that's good. Because he uh, obviously took that to a level he shouldn't have with his own staff. But I think we need to hear, hey, I know that it's hurting out there. I know that things are are bad. 
I know that right now it's really expensive to buy milk. It's expensive to buy eggs. It's expensive to buy meat. We have been missing baby formula. We are having lots of supply chain problems. And I think it would be refreshing to hear that from the president that he understands that. And I think he probably does, right? I think it's just you get in your bubble and you just don't hear it. This is the uh, president's uh, spokesperson who, once again, is trying to spin this in uh, into something else. Karine Jean-Pierre, she says this. We're, we're seeing what we're seeing is that we are in a transition. We had this strong economic growth because of the of the work that this president has done in the past 18 months. And now what we're seeing is a transition into stable and steady growth. Now, that could be true, except for that he hasn't really done any work. We're having all this growth because everybody lost their job and then the shutdown and now everybody's just coming back. I think people know that that's really the reason for the job growth and stuff. It isn't to say that there might be some successes or other things, but, you know, come on. We all know that everybody lost their job and things tanked because of the shutdowns and now everything is back because of everybody coming back to work. The interesting thing about this is I think it's the wrong thing to say now, but it's the right thing to say it could be correct. It could be that, hey, actually things are going to stabilize and uh, we'll see how it goes. But we're not going to know that for a year or two. We're not going to really understand if that's true. I actually I don't think that's the case. I think we're in for some really bad economic times um, as far as recessions go. I, maybe not like the Great Recession that uh, we had uh, at the beginning of uh, the end of George W. Bush's term, uh, 2009 and 10, 8, 9 and 10 in that era. Um I think it's probably going to be hard, but I hope that I'm wrong about that. It would be great if I'm wrong. Do you know how recessions are actually officially labeled? I didn't know this, so I'm going to share it because I'm amazed by it. There's a there's actually a economic government economic group who determines this. It's eight economists. They're the ones who decide officially if the U.S. is in a recession, and they do it later. They do it after they've had all this time to to measure everything that we're not getting into. So by the time they announce it's a recession, the recession might even be over. And uh, you might be feeling much better about it. They are part of the National Bureau of Economic Research, and it's a group called the Business Cycle Dating Committee. The Business Cycle Dating Committee. And I suppose that, why do they call it that? The Business Cycle Dating Committee. It sounds like, uh, you know, one of those uh, groups that does the speed dating you know, or some kind of uh, online app, you know, for professionals who just don't have time for a personal life. Have you tried the business cycle dating committee? That's what it sounds like to me. Maybe the reason it's that they determine it's a recession because they just didn't have as many dates last year as uh, they had the previous year. And uh, their social life has uh, gone down and uh, they're they're no longer buying the appetizers at Chili's. They're just uh, moving. On. I don't know. No, it's it's a group of people who uh, nobody knows who they are. They're, I mean, people do know who they are, but you don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. They they take their time to really look at the ups and downs and the 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 troughs and the mountains and the hills and the in the data, and they take a look at that. And that's why sometimes later you hear here's the recession. They're the ones who say the recession officially started in July and it ends uh, uh, next year in May. Or they're the ones, you know, if you are surprised that in 1991 there was a recession from March to October, but there was no recession in 92, uh, that's because they probably didn't get around to saying that there's no recession until then. And now if you look at the history of it, you go, that doesn't really match my memory of the pain. Well, it's because people felt the pain a whole lot longer. 
that gets into the the weeds of how things work. But for you and the people you know, I think this is a very difficult time. I think we're just getting our we're just beginning to wrap our minds around it. A weird study came out that said that last month grocery shopping went down twelve percent, but going out to eat went up thirteen percent. Like, how can that be in a bad economy? So you're not gonna cook you're not gonna buy food which is cheaper to eat at home, but you're still gonna go out. I decided, you know what, it's cause people are depressed. <laughs> they went to the store, saw their grocery bill, and they're like, you know what, forget it, I'm going to McDonald's. Is it McDonald's? I don't know why I said it that way. It's McDonald's. Somebody says McDonald's out there, and that was in my my brain. My son, John, when he was a little kid, we tried to avoid going there as much as possible, but we couldn't help it because he called it McDonald's. And he'd say, well, I don't want to go to McDonald's. And we're like, oh, isn't he cute? Yeah, we can go to McDonald's. And we, we, we still try to get him to say McDonald's. He's 10 years old now, and he frowns at the suggestion that he keep calling it McDonald's. Um, but, uh, anyway, we went to McDonald's, uh, far too often, uh, but he was very pleased. They have those video games at, uh, McDonald's. Have you seen those? Uh, they're just these like screens on the tables. I'm sure those are very clean and healthy. 888-528-2557 is the number. If you want to join our conversation at Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. You know, as we talk about this, I, I bring it up because I, I think it's just helpful for us to know a couple of things, and maybe we can apply it to our own life in leadership. If you're having a conversation with somebody who is, in, you, let's say you're getting into a political discussion left and right about whether or not it's an economy or a, a, a recession, you know, if you're a Republican politically, well, gosh, you know, you hope everything tanks because the Republicans will win more seats. And if you're a Democrat, you're like, hope oh, it's not a recession. We don't want to say it. We don't want to get beat that bad. That just gets into a place that we've got to get ourselves out of as followers of Jesus. We've got to realize, you know what, whatever your situation is, there's people at your workplace, there's people in your neighborhood, they're hurting right now. And they maybe they need you to take them out to eat. Maybe they need a gift card. I don't think most people come around and say, I think most people just like to uh, not let people know that they're having a hard time, but maybe your neighbors are going into debt because of their grocery bill. Maybe there's something you can do to help them. Do you have any ideas for that? Do you, are there things that you can do that you can share with us on our program that really help people save some money on their food and different things? Let me know what it is. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back as the Thursday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this fine Thursday afternoon. A little cloudy, a little humid Kind of warm today, kind of sticky outside today, getting into uh, that part of summertime, but I hope you're having a great day. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. Are there things that you are doing to help you with your grocery bill or to save money on some different things during this challenging time? I was reminded that whenever the Great Recession hit, In uh, around, I don't know, 2009, I think it was, 2008, 2009, we had a brand new baby, and uh, Christy had left her full-time work uh, to raise the kids, Um, and she started, and that was a a good thing, great thing for her to do, as it uh, turned out, and, uh, but it cost us a lot, 
And uh, so she, to uh, deal with that, she started doing couponing. And the couponing used to be during that era. I don't know if it's – I don't think it's the same now. And I think it's the fault of people like uh, my wife. People started being extreme couponers. Are you one of these people, extreme couponers? We used to get, I forget, seven or eight different newspapers at our house every Sunday morning. And we would clip out the coupons. We learned, we lived in San Diego at the time, but we learned that the coupons in the Los Angeles Times, even though they were the same coupon, were worth more money than the San Diego versions. So we got a bunch of copies of the LA Times. And, you know, if it was 50 cents off in the San Diego version for a jar of pickles, it might be 75 cents off in the L.A. Times version. That's, a you know, a little tip for you back in the day. Do you still clip coupons? And there were so many different ways that we saved money. Christy had this binder full of coupons, and they were organized. She's super well organized. You know, of the two of us, you know, I'm I'm a messy desk kind of person. My desk is a huge mess, but I do know where everything is, so don't touch it. That's me. She is, everything is organized. There's nothing on the desk because all of it is in files. And she knows where everything is in those files. Don't touch my files. Well, she had these coupons organized, alphabetical order by what store in this binder. The binder was, it was a very large photo binder. And I would say it was six inches tall, probably nine inches uh you know, one way and 12 inches the other way. And when we went to the store, we took two shopping carts, one for the groceries. The other shopping cart was to push that book around. And people gathered around, not even kidding. And this was in an era when you still had double coupons and some stores would even give you change for coupons. So if you had a dollar off a jar of pickles and they doubled it, but the pickles were only $1.75, they'd give you a quarter back because you'd use that dollar coupon. One day, and you had to do these in lists, right? There was an order to do it, and sometimes you have that little coupon that prints out. Well, she would find out exactly what coupon's going to print out at what point during the shopping, and then you need to save that for the next order. She did this so well that the supermarkets around our house, they all got to know her. And whenever she would walk in, they would open up a line just for her because you do not want to be behind my wife in the supermarket. In fact, if you're wondering what the best definition biblically of eternity is, it is standing in line behind my wife with her coupons at the supermarket. You will be there all day. So they really did. They opened up this other lane for her. And it was unbelievable how much she saved. And it was an awful lot of work, though. So don't get me wrong. It wasn't like she just walked in there. It was a ton of work. I don't know if by the hour, you know, it was very little by the hour, but it helped us. It helped our family quite a bit. One time she sent me to Albertsons with a list. And she said, do not deviate from the list, which is hard for me because I deviate from the list. You know, she, you know, I, especially at Costco, right? You go to Costco and the sample lady gets you and she's nice to you and you, you eat it and you're kind of hungry and you go home with like three vats of hummus and it tasted good when you were in the store. But now what are you going to do with these vats of hummus? I don't know. But so that's me. So she would be very, don't go off the list. So I go to Albertsons and I do the shopping and I'm not even kidding. I got $50 worth of stuff, and they paid me $2 to take it. I didn't pay anything. And people gathered around the register. People all gathered around, and they're like, how do you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I just stick to the list. I'm not the one. I don't know how to do it. Um, are there any tips that you've got out there for today? I think that's changed a lot. I don't think, I think because of my wife, you can't do double coupons anymore and they don't give you the change and lots of stuff like that. 
Um, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Donna in Park, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, Donna. Um, hi. Uh, I just called to share that you know, I have been the recipient of the kindnesses of other people. And uh, prior to that, my family have always been given. My father was a physician in the country, and he always gave free care and and that kind of thing. So uh, we were all raised with a giving attitude because the Lord provides. But we got in a situation in the late 80s where my husband would let go of his job. And uh, I kept the house afloat for a while while he traveled state to state to uh, do work. And then finally he came back to the, the area we lived and said, come on, we got to go. We got to move. I think I have a job in California. So we were in Northern California. But that didn't get work because the guy was cheating, and he said, I'm not going to work for this guy. Mm-hmm. So we ended up down here with family. At any rate, what the Lord let me know before that whole thing happened, that his job wasn't there anymore. I was doing it with a prayer partner. So I kind of knew something was weird going on, and the Lord said, you're going to have a Pauline experience. It's going to be like you're in a prison. It's going to be like you're in a desert. But I will never leave or forsake you. And I said, okay, God. I didn't realize how bad it would be. Mm-hmm. At any rate, Getting into California, um, I'm an RN, so I was able to find piecemeal job here and there, and uh, eventually a regular job. But while we were there, I just wanted to say, we were at church on the way at the time, and one woman came up behind me. We had all been praying as a congregation, and as we're getting ready to dismiss, she came up and handed me a check for $200 and said, the Lord said that I was supposed to give this to you. Mm. And I said, what, what? She gave it to me, and I just was shocked and I was embarrassed a little bit, but I you know, I thanked her and then I said, God, what is going on here? And then a, another time, the same thing, I was moving out of my uh, relative's house with my three kids and my husband and had a really small, small apartment that we were able to afford because I was working a little bit. And then it, somebody came up and brought furniture. They brought me some beds because we were all sleeping on the floor. Hmm. And, uh, and I was, uh, she goes, oh, well, Somebody said at the church that you, you had moved to an apartment, and, and I said, oh, my God. And, the, I mean, the generosity, this whole series of this year was, actually, when you brought this topic up, I started relooking at all the things that had happened. They were just, we even went and donated, well, we didn't donate because they were paying for blood. My husband has opus, so he got 50 bucks, and I got 25 for my APOS. <laughs> but we needed money to buy milk. Yeah. So, milk and bread. So we did that, and it was a very humbling experience. Working for a home nursing agency, it was close to Christmas. The staff members, they didn't know my situation, but they pooled their turkey or Ralph gift coupons yeah. together and gave me $300 for groceries in those coupons. That was a gift to them from the agency, but they gave them to me. It matters uh, so much, doesn't it, when people are willing to do that? You know, I just, I'm sorry, but I cry. When my work, co-workers did that, I was, first I was embarrassed that they even knew. Mm. But then when I left, going across the parking lot, I just said, God, thank you for teaching me this humility. And thank you for teaching me that needs can be met by other people just because you put it on their hearts, you know? Yeah. 
I, I can't even, I'm sorry, I can't even talk now, but there have been so many instances that I've been so blessed as a hospice nurse to be able to give back to others now and share Christ with them before they die. And just, he's provided so much for me. And I just want to encourage people, don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid to stop. And if you see somebody looking sad or just whatever, say, can I pray for you? You don't have to share the gospel. You just have to show your Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, Donna, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, you know, I think that you, in one of the ways that you are are helping people right now who are listening, is one of the reasons that sometimes we just don't get the help is that we, our pride gets in the way, right? We don't want people to know. And it is embarrassing. And I've been there before where it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I'm in this situation. And it doesn't need to be embarrassing, right? People are happy to help when they know. Um, yes. you know, and, uh, I'm really glad that happened to you. And I would encourage everybody listening that, you know, if you're in this situation where you've lost your job and uh, Donna, thank you so much for your call and for uh, joining us today. Um, if you're in that situation, you know what, let people know. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons that you should be in a church, right? Because, uh, if you're, if you're not in a body of believers, you know, Christian out there, um, then who do you let know? Sometimes your workplace will do it, and I think it's okay, because I think people do want to help. Not always will they do that, but I'll have to tell you, in difficult times for for us, for for Christy and I at different times, uh, our church people took care of us. Sometimes just our small group Bible study, we've all taken care of each other. One of the things my wife likes to do is we go and just drop in on people who we know or that we're praying about, and we just have a sense that they need help, and we just bring them some groceries or bring them a couple of gift cards. And, you know, if you're wrong, well, then so what? They got some extra stuff. But you'd be surprised how often when you're praying for people that God brings people to mind, and you may not have a clue, and you give them a gift card or you give them something or you organize, you know, when somebody's sick, it matters a lot. And we're we're called to do this. First John chapter three. First John is a book about love and how to love each other. And uh first John three sixteen, not John three sixteen, first John three sixteen, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this is verse seventeen now. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Ooh. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Isn't that true? That's something that we can do uh, during uh, any time, of course. But, you know, during these trying times, there are people that you know who are really hurting out there. 888-528-2557 is the phone number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. I'm going to take a break. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Thursday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live Thursday afternoon. Great to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5. In your afternoon, you drive home your afternoon part of the day to give you some uh, encouragement, some information, some hope for whatever it is that you might be going through today. We're talking about the economy and uh, recession or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you don't want to call it that and try not to get into the semantics with all of that. And are there some ways that you have been helped or you've helped other people when finances are tight, when you haven't been able to 
uh, bless other people or been blessed, let me know. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I was talking before the break about my wife's uh, couponing, and uh, that got so popular that she uh, started giving out that advice and really helped a lot of people. And then we had another kid, and uh, things changed. The The barometer I have for the economy now is actually a Facebook page that she made up that we have not posted anything to since 2015, right? So it's just been sitting there. No one touches it. But it's still kind of connected to uh, my Facebook account and hers. We never look at it. But what happens is, is whenever the economy slows down, people start liking that page all of a sudden. There's no new content. There's nothing useful about it at this point, probably. But um, whenever the shutdown happened in 2020, that March or April, her website went crazy. People just peeing all day long liking it. We've added hundreds of likes to this website that we're not even using, that nothing's new. And I've noticed that the last couple of months, we're getting those hits again. That, see, and that The barometer for me is that if I'm hearing from... From, you know, if people are liking a page that obviously is ancient and that's not really being used, I think it's because people are just looking for help. People are are looking for how do I save money here? How do I feed my kids here? How do I do uh, and navigate this difficult time? What are some ways that maybe you have helped other people navigate the difficult time? We did it with coupons. Christy used to have people over and and uh, these couponing parties and you would you would buy so much stuff. It was we looked like hoarders. Our garage at one point looked like a Seven Eleven because you you would buy things when there was a coupon when it was on sale. And then you'd buy a bunch of them. Then you always have it, and uh, that was uh, that saved us a lot. It really really helped us. And that was one of the the things that even I've learned and kept is don't buy stuff if it's not on sale and you don't also have a coupon. You can do online coupons now, right? So instead of clipping them from the newspaper, which is probably something going away. Um, they do have them online with whatever that discount card is for your supermarket. Why do we have those discount cards? I mean, why don't they just lower the price on there? Why do you, you know, it's because they're collecting your information. That's what it's about. They know everything that you do. Uh, it's been a while since you've bought this kind of bread. Here's a coupon. Okay. Well, then I get a coupon and then they send it to the Chinese government who one day, uh, I don't know, they're, they'll know what to feed you when you're in the concentration camp. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, some of you are like right on. Oh no, I'm just making that part up. Uh, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, Mariah in Moreno Valley, welcome Hi. to Southern California Live. How you doing, Mariah? I'm great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How has God helped you? That, uh, yeah. Well, he blessed us uh, because uh, there were times, as we all know, things got hard. Um, but, you know, God is always there, and he surrounded us with churches in our area that were giving away free food. Mm. And that's how he we made it through those hard times. Yeah. And as time went on, he blessed us with, with really good jobs and that, you know, and so forth. But during those uh, kind of difficult challenges, um, there was churches that were blessing us with free food. Well, I'm glad that so that... I, I mean, I, mean I, I suggest anybody that's really going through... Reach out to the churches in the area yeah. because they're there. They are there. And uh, and don't give up. Thank you, Mariah, for uh, your call. And things are going well for you now? You got, you're working? Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thank God. All right. Really good. All right, Mariah. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I think it's, a, it's something that the churches need to pay attention to 
something that even was shocking to me when we had the the shutdown. Remember the uh, the food giveaways that were going on, food banks and stuff uh, around the Southland. Cars were lined up for miles for bags of groceries. Right, some people are just freeloaders, but other people, most of those people, are hungry, really hungry, and they're not telling anybody about it. You know, and something that we did in our church was we started a a our own pantry. We kind of had one before, and most of it was people would give money, give uh, food, and then we donated it to um, an organization that helps refugees, and that was the regular thing. But during the shutdown, we just helped whomever, and people dropped off so much, and we had lines of people coming in and out of our parking lot. And uh, I think that this is, and the great thing about it is it brings your church together. It brings everybody together. It's such a positive thing because you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, because there are people out there who are hurting, and they need to hear from you. They need to hear from your church. They need to know that your church really is a a place that can help. Uh, you know, if you're listening, call the churches. Not every church has a pantry going on, okay? But some of them do, or they work with the food banks. They work with other organizations as a distribution site. So I was working with one church uh, every Saturday. That's what they did. And uh, lines of cars every Saturday in that community, they're giving out food. And it was pretty good stuff, too, fruits and vegetables. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just the government cheese, um, you know, which is fine if you need the government cheese, you know. But uh, it, uh, it was nutritious. It was something that was useful. My view is that there's always people kind of uh, who are hurting who don't want to say. And you never know who they are. Sometimes there are people who just haven't figured out that they have means. I had a guy who was coming to church and sneaking into the kitchen and stealing food old guy. And I finally caught him and I said to him, now this is a guy who, uh, he owned his house in Southern California. His house is like a million dollars. <laughs> and I said, you know, uh, why are you, uh, doing this? And he's just really broke. This is what he said. He had some bills, he had some things. And I said, well, why don't you get a reverse mortgage? What's that? And I didn't really know much about it, but I sent him to a financial guy, solved his problem. Right. But he didn't want to tell anybody. He was too proud to let people know that he didn't have enough to eat and that he was struggling. And he would come into church. He'd say hi. And then he'd wander off into the kitchen and steal your lunch. (laughs) Eventually, you notice that your sandwiches are missing every time uh, this guy comes in and you you, doesn't take long to put that together. But you got to realize people are are. And this was happening during a time when the economy was strong, too. You just never really know. 888-528-2557. One of the things that is uh, in the bill that uh, is bitten, that uh, President Biden pushed today, you know, the whole we're going to tax the corporations and all, you know, that that doesn't work because they just fire people or they just pass along the uh, cost to you. Uh, somebody once said corporations don't pay taxes. That's probably true because they just they just pass it along to you. You're the one paying the money. There is something in there, though, that you know. I think we can be hopeful for. It's the idea that Medicare can negotiate pharmacy costs because it's ridiculous. It's a whole other topic. But what we pay for pills in this country is insane. You know, when you have to go and try to figure out how to get your prescription drugs from Canada and you got to have them mailed to you and uh, or go to Mexico to do it or do other things. It's the same pill. It's not always the same pill. You got to be careful, especially if you're just driving across the the border there, you don't know what you're getting necessarily. But uh a lot of the time it is. You know, it is um 
such a a huge thing, particularly for our seniors, the cost of their their drugs, and it it creates a lot of fear, right? It's the reason that uh, you keep working. It's the reason you go back to work as the greeter at Walmart. It's the reason that uh, you are just not in the best situation. We should be hopeful that the government uh, is able to work that out, you know, aside what you might think about government programs and the spending. I mean, that's a, that's obviously a thing. But, you know, most of us, we're, we're trying to deal with that. There are some other options out there. You know, Mark Cuban, the guy who's a uh, – he owns the Dallas Mavericks. He is on that program, uh, Shark Tank. You ever watch Shark Tank? Shark Tank might be the best TV show on TV just because of the reality of it. It's a show where uh, these – Wealthy people like him uh, are literally uh, investing their own money in small business people like uh, you, regular people. And you go in, you pitch your idea, and if they like it, they will invest in you. And what's interesting about it is the reasons they give you for not investing. Sometimes they don't invest. You have a great idea, but you're kind of a jerk, so they won't invest. And I think that's a great life lesson. There's all kinds of great life and business lessons on that show. That's why I like it. It's just very interesting that way. Well, he's on that show. One of the things that uh, he did, and I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. I am not giving medical advice. He started an online pharmacy, uh, and uh, it is a, a very interesting concept. You just go on there. You punch in whatever. It's called Cost Plus Drug Company, Cost Plus Drugs. And uh, you do it online. You punch in your uh, your drug that you uh, have a normal prescription for. You got to have your doctor send your prescription there. But the model is is very interesting and it's very very cheap. All right, and I think that there are some great answers. I think uh, I probably wouldn't agree with Mark Cuban on a lot of stuff, but on this one, you know what? It's a great idea. Uh, you find your medication. You go there and you you type it in and. Uh, it's amazing. So they you pay the cost of the drug plus a 15% markup so they make some money plus a $3 labor charge cuz somebody's got to put it in the in the box and a $5 shipping cost which seems to me awfully low. You know, 5 bucks. I bet it costs more than that these days. Or they send it, you know, one of those uh postal service things so uh you don't get your medicine for 6 weeks, but um you know, that's probably worth it. There are some great ways to uh check it out. So maybe you you check that out or some of the other online things or ask your doctor. You know, I think that's another thing is you got to get out there and ask what is it that can be that can help me better. And uh and check it out. There are some ways to really help each other out. And if you are listening and you're going, gosh, I know an older person who's got uh a lot of ailments. There's this interview with uh, Mark Cuban about it. And he's like, yeah, you can get your leukemia drugs on there and you can go out and tell all of your friends that who have leukemia. I'm going, how many people know that many people with leukemia that they can tell all their friends? I don't know. Uh, some of you do. Anyway, that is, uh, that's the economy. The economy is in a uh, crazy place. Okay, when we get back, uh, no mask mandate for Los Angeles County, it turns out. Uh, I'm not surprised. I thought that's the, uh, that's the direction it's going to go. I'm glad, though, for that. And uh, we're going to talk about a new political party. Would you be interested in that? And why it's important to actually know your neighbors. As soon as we get back is the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.